0: Good morning, thanks for coming in. Um, Well, I guess this is getting a little bit more normal being up here, it's like what, three times in a row? Like what, okay, yeah. Might spit a couple verses, be like Sean Beckman, a little Slim Shady out here, you know? (laughs) Um, So yeah, Um, yeah, let's do some announcements. Okay, yes, so um, talked about this for the last two weeks. Um, CDC guidelines have been changing, and so our gathering is going to be changing starting um, next week. It's going to look like Costco. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you've been to Costco, um, you know, if you're vaccinated, um, you don't need to wear a mask. Um, if you're not vaccinated, still bring your mask, um, and that's kind of what the change is, and we've just kind of been really cool to see like us kind of slowly move into it while the world kind of shifts into that first, and then we're able to kind of just safely go into that too. So um, starting next week, it might look a little different. Um, Again, you can communicate that when you sign up for church because we'll still have signups for church um, if you want to be seated at a distance or what you're comfortable with or who you want to sit next to. All right, this Thursday's it's happening. Let's go, let's go. Um, So yeah, um, there's going to be a party. It's a celebration of the end of the school year and also... This is the last week for the village, which is something that um, we've been doing since October. And so it's kind of bittersweet because, like, I've been doing it for so long, and now it's coming to an end. Um, So it's really cool to be a part of um, everything that went down there with all the volunteers. Like, I know Joe was there. um, So many. Sophie was there um, to do arts and crafts. Amanda was there. Um, So many different people were able to volunteer and be a part of that. Um, It's going to be really cool to have like a community gathering to celebrate um, all those kids and kids church uh, those Friday nights and now Thursday nights and um, middle school group gets to celebrate on that, too. So it's going to be really cool. A couple of things if you wanted to get involved. I know a lot of people have reached out already, but if you could possibly donate like cupcakes or store bought like closed food because we're going to do a cakewalk. That would be really cool this week. I know Jen mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. That would have been stale and gross. (laughs) This week, um, if you want to bring that in, my phone number is also up there, um, or you can communicate that on your communication card. um, If you wanted to drop that off at the Village, we're still open this Monday and Tuesday. Um, So that would be awesome. I'm so excited. It's going to be a good time. Oh yeah, soccer club signups are happening again, from two-year-olds all the way to sixth graders. Um, I think Jen um, like shared this with me, it was like we opened up registrations for like three hours. Forty-four kids signed up, like, and and right now is a lot more than that. So I'm just like, it's gonna be crazy, you know. So um, yeah, so signups are going. Um, you can see that on the website, um, and you can also sign up and register your kids. Oh, yeah, that's the sound of soccer club too. I love that. Um, yeah, communication card. Um, again, if there's anything that you wanted to you know questions or wanted to sign up to volunteer or get in contact, this is a great way to communicate that so we can see you and reach back out to you. Is that it? There we go. All right, we'll move on to the next
1: Hey, good morning guys. Um, this morning's message is gonna to come to you via video, and I wanna give you a little background on what, who this is and what's happening. Um, about a month and a half ago, I went to a conference for our district, our district area of our denomination, and the president of our denomination spoke uh, a message there that I thought was amazing. I thought it was incredible, especially considering who he is and his background. So his name is John and John Stumbo, and he's a guy that I know. He used to pastor at a church in Smoky Point. For those of you that were here last weekend, when Bryce came and spoke, Bryce is from that same church. And he was the pastor of that church in Smoky Point, and then later was a pastor of a church down in Salem. Uh, Church in Smoky Point is a large church. The church down in Salem is crazy large, like, I don't know what it is, 4,000 or 5,000 people. But anyway, he was a very successful pastor, very athletic dude. Uh, was a marathon runner and he has an incredible story of just about dying and then essentially being resurrected from the dead. He um, was pastoring that church down in Portland and just got very sick all of a sudden and was put into a coma for what I understand several months and they just thought he was gonna die and they didn't really even have an explanation for what he was sick from but he um, amazingly somehow came out of the coma and was good enough to be able to go home. But in going home, he was not fully restored to health. He couldn't swallow, and so he had a feeding tube, and his body just didn't really recover well, and his poor wife was pushing her husband around in a wheelchair and caring for him, and this was their life, and he was not that old of a guy. Pretty young dude for all of this. And they told him, the doctors told him, this is probably how it's going to be for the rest of your life. Um, But amazingly, and he'll tell the story in this message, uh, amazingly, God just sort of resurrected his body from the dead. And um, so he is our denominational president. He went from Smoky Point Church to a church down in Salem, Oregon, to uh, now he is the president of the entire Christian Missionary Alliance, of which our church is a part and um, I respect him a ton for who he is as a leader, who he is as a Christ follower, and his story of healing is amazing. And today he's going to talk to you guys about healing and um, several of the thoughts that he's had about it over the years, through like before, during, and on the other side of all of this. And I, when I saw this, uh, when I was at this event six or eight weeks ago, I thought, man, I have to show you guys this. And so this is the weekend that we're gonna do that. I hope that it, it moves you as much as it did me. I think he's right on, and I think this is powerful, powerful stuff. So this is John Stumbo, the president of the Christian Missionary Alliance, coming at you this morning. Here we go. Hey,
2: uh, Snow, call me. Glad you're in the house. And Arlington, uh, I'm homesick just saying the name of Smoky Point. Would somebody hike Lake 22 for me, please? And Lighthouse, Puyallup, Roseburg, you guys are around. Mercer Creek, Ellensburg, fantastic. Who am I missing? I'm missing somebody. Mosaic, Mosaic, fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled for the family gathering even in this way. I feel like the Spirit has uh, prompted me this afternoon to just leave the notes, which always makes me a little nervous, but now that I've sat through the worship songs and Brandon's piece, um, the Spirit of God is weaving something together tonight as only He can orchestrate, and so would you receive this word? Luke. So, (laughs) if you want to know about boats and water and how to get what's in the water into the boat. Fowler's your expert. Go to Steve Fowler. He knows all things about boats, water, and everything in water, and how to get it into a boat. I just know that if the boat's in the water, that's good. If the water's in the boat, that's not good. That's really about all I know. Um, And the story uh, of Jesus calming the storm, Luke 8... 22 is one that all of us know well and many of us have preached one day luke 8 22 jesus said to his disciples let's go over to the other side of the lake now a lot of you love to make the point he said we're going to the other side of the lake i think they were going to get there but so they got into the boat and set out and as they sailed he fell asleep Brandon's first half of his monologue there, and the God who appears to be silent. Christ asleep in the boat, present with us, but seemingly totally uninvolved, uninterested, and checked out. A squall came up on the lake. So the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. They're, what are they doing at this moment? They're being tossed back and forth. Somebody is getting seasick because not all of them had their sea legs. Somebody's retching over the side of the boat. Somebody is, many, as many as possible are grabbing whatever they can find. There's no plastic they have hands uh, they maybe have a bucket of some type they're trying to bail this boat as it tosses as it sloshes as they're soaking wet this is not a pleasant moment Peter or the fishermen are yelling instructions somebody's angry and they're looking over at Jesus asleep we we, we read these stories way too fast uh, squalls can come up in minutes or an hour, but they don't come up in the three seconds that it takes to read the text. They see it coming. They see it coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's on us. It's in us. We're in trouble. Start bailing. Let's go. Row harder. Take down the sails. Whatever they're doing to survive. And Jesus seemed asleep or is asleep. I don't know at what point it had to be at a point of utter desperation because in these kind of scenarios when you're in really what rough water and the waves are now coming over the boat you can take one perhaps you can take three four I don't know how many their boat could handle but at some point the water's getting deep enough the the line between uh, the side of their boat and the side of the water is getting close enough somebody is calculating one more wave, we're under this is it and if there's one way that I do not want to die, there's really some pretty casual ways to die when you think about it. But, uh, but drowning is not one of them. <laughs> that is like the last way that I want to die. <laughs> and they somebody has a sense. One more wave, and it's over. So would you please wake up, Jesus? <laughs> Jesus. If none of this has woken them up, wake them up. Master, master. Oh, isn't it funny that they say that word? <laughs> We're going to drown. <laughs> now, maybe somebody panicked early. Maybe Peter's saying, no, nah, we can handle three more waves like that. We're fine. But, but, but somebody is utterly panicked, convinced. The third storyline is over with one more wave. We're going to drown. He got up. Oh, I think he bounced right up. and uh, Maybe threw his legs over the side and slowly straightened up with a stiff back after sleeping on that hard bench. I don't know how he got up. And rebuked the wind. Knock it off. <laughs> I don't know what he said. The raging waters and the sor- storm subsided. They see the waves getting smaller, smaller, smaller. The water was calm. Who knows how long they have in that long pause of watching the waves subside. The boat come to a stillness. And they're still standing in water. <laughs> still soaking wet. Nobody dares speak until <laughs> Jesus does. Where's your faith? Where's my faith? <laughs> well, I didn't get on this boat thinking I needed faith. You said we're going to the other side. Some of us are professional fishermen. We've spent our entire lives on boats. We know this water. We didn't think that faith was required equipment required equipment for this journey today. Uh, By the way, whenever we don't think faith is required equipment for the journey, we're making a big mistake. Remember that in a moment. If we don't think that faith is required equipment for every journey of every day we're making a mistake where's your faith now there's two questions asked in this test text by two different people both are very significant both we need to be asking today where's your faith he asked his disciples in fear and amazement they're still shaking They, they they thought they were dead men and now they're just cold men <laughs> and they're, they're shaking in fear and amazement and they ask one another who is this? Who is this? Sound asleep one minute, shouting down telling waves to knock it off and wind to be silent the next Who is this? He commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. Don't you love that? Two questions. Where's your faith? Who is this? Both questions essential every day of our lives. And the second question, first question, will be better answered if we have a good answer to the second question. The where is your faith question will be better answered if we have a good answer to the who is this? who is this well here's where we have a little trouble because we already have the theological answers we have the ministry trained answers we have the right answers we have the answers and, and that's good I don't want to belittle our theological training I rejoice in it I'm grateful for it I'm grateful for our knowledge knowledge is powerful it's significant it's important but it can also blind us knowledge puffs up first Corinthians 8 1 he who thinks he knows really doesn't know as he ought. Cause we can get, we can get stuck in that, already, been there, done that, already know it. Oh, I felt that so acutely, right there where that, uh, uh, forgive me, off-site uh, people, but but right where the camera is standing right now. After one of the services here, uh, we are having five services a weekend, and I wouldn't always have time to get out to the lobby, and so I was uh, um, just greeting people from the front, have a few minutes in between, and one day a gentleman came right down the center aisle, and uh, he didn't look very well. He looked like he was in difficult physical situation, probably 70 years of age, and um, I hadn't met him before. and. He He came up to me and started to tell me the story of being in the Vietnam War and having dropped napalm on the Vietnamese people. And here he was, late in life and probably near, based on what I was picking up from the story, knowing that he was going to stand before God and this. This emotion, this experience, the memories of having dropped napalm on the Vietnamese people was just plaguing him decades later. I was just doing as I was told. I was just doing as I was told, he said. I was under orders. But this was nagging him decades later. Is there anything that you can say to me? Can God forgive me, he says to me. And what did I do? I kicked into my theological knowledge. I know that answer. I knew that answer back in the third, probably uh, kindergarten class in Sunday school. Can God forgive? God can forgive anything. And so I gave him the, the biblically correct, theologically accurate answer. Yes, sir, God can forgive us of anything. I assure you, he can forgive you that. And he hung his head. He knew the right answer. He hung his head and said, I thought if I came to you today, you'd have something to say to me, but I guess you don't so what do you do as a pastor you say it again and you say it louder right so I did I was just under orders, he said. I was just doing as I was told. I thought if I came to you today, you'd have something to say to me, but I guess you don't. And the worship team's now starting in on the the pre-service music for the next service. People are coming in by the hundreds, and this man senses all that's going on around him. And with all the weight of the Vietnam War on his shoulders, he turns around and starts walking out. And for the first time in the conversation, I actually express my dependence upon God not my knowledge, but God, I need you. God, <laughs> I only had 0.9 seconds for a prayer. I mean, it, this, this was all over in a moment. Lord, sir, sir, come back. What is it? He said, what is it? The soldiers, the soldiers that were at the cross. They were just under orders, right? They were just doing as, as they were told, right? And when, what did Jesus say from the cross? And he said it with me. He knew it. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's it. That's it, he said. And he ran out with the freedom of Christ. Because the theologically correct answer guy finally humbled himself before the speaking voice of God. And in God's kindness, he did have a word that day. I didn't. <laughs> he did. see this this coming to God for salvation, or Monty earlier today, coming to God for sanctification, as I tried to articulate that it's not just a one-time big shot, fix it, and then then go on from that past experience, but this every day, multiple times a day, coming to him, coming to him, coming to him, Lord, I need you. Why do we suddenly stop when we get to the end of the conversation about healing? Um, as if it's um, like, come, come, uh, Live your life, you don't need the healer. Live your life, you don't need the healer. Oh, you got a bad medical diagnosis. Now you need the healer. So come to him for healing, and then we can go on with our happy lives again. We don't... Sometimes I wish, this is a fairly new thought for me, so I haven't theologically wrestled it a lot, but sometimes I wish that our fourfold gospel, where Christ our Savior, maybe even Christ our salvation, have to think about that, Christ our sanctifier, Christ our healing... No, 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 no. Christ our health. Christ our health, not Christ our healer. Because sometimes the implication is, as I just said, that we don't have to come to him. We, Unless it's like really bad, really big crisis. And is that really the way that we want to disciple our people? Is that really the way we want to live our spiritual lives? Is so that we really get to do our own thing? We really get to live our own lives. We really get to walk in our own strength and tell, ooh, i I I, this is a big one. I, I can handle all the little ones, but this is a big one, so now I need you today. I don't think that's the kind of discipleship that we want. I don't think that's the kind of life that we want to live. I don't think that's kind of what's, what's demonstrated here. So, so the question comes to us, where is your faith, and who is this? The reason i said all this at uh, this point is, where is your faith? Some of us don't think we need faith for the daily journey of life. It's for the extra times. It's for the bonus times. It's for the tough times. But it's not for the daily walk. And I think that's a mistake. Where's your faith? I didn't know I needed faith. And then, then for some of us, the problem comes from a, a theological wrestling match that the evangelical community continually seems to have. But this whole idea that faith is really getting something out of God. And if you're not getting from God what you want to get from God, you don't have enough faith or there's sin in your life, Right? And it's very possible there's sin in your life, and it's very possible you don't have enough faith, but it's possible there's something else going on. The faith is not just getting something from God you're trying to get out of him, but faith is hanging on to God regardless of what he gives. So that takes me then to the, who is this? Who is this? If he's the guy that occasionally just shows up to drop some, you know, little gift bag into your life, who knows the name of Dennis? middle name of Dennis Boost? <laughs> we got a little gift bag for you up here. <laughs> it's Dwayne, by the way. <laughs> no, I, uh, so don't call me all oh, the other guys. We were playing a little trivia game here about middle names. I don't know what you were doing in your pre-service. We were really spiritual and doing those kind of things. <laughs> but... Uh, um, um, <laughs> That was fun. I'm really not making fun of that. Uh, I am saying that some of us treat God that way. That he just kind of shows up with little gift bags once in a while if we know the right answer, if we do the right things. And I think that God wants to be sought. Thank you, my brother Brandon. Every day, every opportunity... You'll seek me and find me if you seek me with all your heart. So perhaps we should think of Christ our Savior, Christ our sanctifier, Christ our health. That we would be coming to him every day for what we need. Now, I've already confessed to you earlier today that there's a sea of emotions that flood me as I come back to this place in Salem. Because I stood in this platform for seven years as the pastor and uh, very, very, very good health. And, you know, we'd preach five services a weekend. And we ran a lot of things here. And I praise God for the great team of uh, Steve Dengaran and Barbara Fletcher and Steve Fowler joined a few years into my journey and such great people. Brian Candela, I shouldn't start listening because there's way too many to listen. I'm just saying we had a great team. It was, was never, it's, it's, for decades, it's not been a one-man show around this church. Part of the reason for the strength of this place and there's really been a team ministry. And Steve Fowler's continued to lead in that way. So, so it was never about. But for me, this was like a rich place to serve. We're having a great time. And then, in just a very short period of time, I found myself up at OHSU, and the research hospital up there is uh, an, an unconscious state. Uh, where I slipped into a coma, and they kept me in that medically induced coma for five days, code blue called numerous times. I was on the edge of life and death. If you want to see your husband one more time, you better get up here right now. Joanna got that call one day, and on the list goes... 77 days of hospitalization, released from the hospital with a wonderful statement, you stumped us all. We'll have to call it the Stumbo syndrome. (laughs) I really don't have a disease named after me, but that was their way of saying, we ran every test we had in the whole research hospital. You flunked them all. So we know 200 things you don't have. We don't know what you do have, but you're no longer dying, so you can go home. And so I did go home in the care of my wife with a feeding tube in my shirt, having lost 50 pounds of muscle mass in a wheelchair, a tracheotomy, and a wound vacuum on my leg because of a really stupid medical decision that they made. I think I've forgiven. (laughs) (laughs) And the next time I was in church, I was sitting in the back row where the wheelchairs pull up under the care of my wife. And you start asking some of those "Where are you, God?" kind of questions. Where's your faith? Hmm. Is faith getting from God what I want? Well, it doesn't seem like that's happening anytime soon. <laughs> Medical community started to give up on my swallow. If you don't swallow, I had lost a completely lost the capacity to swallow. No water, no food. Not that I didn't try. <laughs> But when your swallow doesn't work, and you try to suck in a Wendy's Frosty, you know where it goes? <laughs> right into your lungs, and lungs and Frosties don't go well together. 18 months, year and a half, 18 months. Got a bite of food, not a drop of water. I got pretty angry some days, standing in Walmart grocery section. An ocean of food. We had plenty of money to buy anything we wanted. I couldn't eat spite of it anyway there was that sweet 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 moment when 18 months into the journey when my feeding tube is stuck, and we're in St. Louis, outside of St. Louis, Missouri, in the cornfields of Illinois, and I got no feeding tube operation, I have no ability to swallow. I have no way to get anything into my system, and we're in trouble. And Joanna reaches over and touches me on my throat, as she had many times before. Praise the name of Jesus, and a little twitch, a little twinge. Could it be that on the day that I am most needy? Could it be today after 18 months? Could it be that today after all the elders of Salem Alliance and all of the congregation of Salem Alliance and all the Christmas Alliance and council that prayed for me? Could it be that now today in the privacy of a little car on the middle of a cornfield in, uh, in Illinois that Jesus would heal me today? And I took a little sip of orange juice and felt that orange juice go all the way down. A little burp came all the way back up. And before the day was over, I had eaten a couple, of four ounces of Yoplait red, uh, red raspberry yogurt, an entire Wendy's Frosty, a bowl of chili, and I was just getting started. <laughs> Back in Salem, the uh, fifth swallow specialist, because they had passed me off one to another because I was a no hope case, an ear-nosed throat doctor, who knew my case very well, said, who gave him permission to eat? <laughs> they knew I was going to kill myself by doing this. Uh, God? <laughs> I got back to their office. They said, we want an appointment. You know how hard it is to get an appointment with two medical professionals at the same time? They made an appointment for me. Though <laughs> so within 48 hours of my return to Salem, we were on this road trip, but within 48 hours of my return to Salem, I was to be in their office, and I walked into their office, and I, their mouths were both open. They were gonna give me the, you're gonna die, you're gonna kill yourself lecture. And But I'd already gained 15 pounds. I hadn't gained a single pound. I was still 140 pounds. I hadn't gained a single pound of that medical food, but now I'd gained 15 pounds. Cheesecake, my body understood cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had vitality, I had better voice, I had better everything, and they were ready to give me election. they saw me, and they just went, Pff. I told them what happened, and the person of, that does, did not have faith in the room quickly exited, not knowing what to do with a story like that, and the person who has faith rejoiced with me and saying, if there was an answer at Mayo or Harvard, I would have sent you those places but there was nothing for the medical community to do. This can only be attributed to God. Well, I knew that, and he knew that. Not everybody else accepted that. When I went to Salem Hospital to get my feeding tube removed, I, uh, I said to the guy, uh, the male nurse, I don't suppose you get to do this very often, take out a tube without replacing one. He said, no, no, this is very rare. And I told him the story quickly, and he said, this goes to show, that the body has an incredible way of healing itself. Did you not hear what you just said? You don't get to do this very often, buddy. (laughs) I just i shut up. I didn't say anything. Just kind of groaned. Not everybody gets it. But let me ask you this. Did we have any more faith on that day in Illinois than we had the 18 months previous? I would argue that I had the least faith that day. really? That was my prayer that morning. That was pretty much the sum total of my prayer that morning. Brandon's really articulate. He had like paragraphs. I had one word. Really? (laughs) Feeding tube? Stuck? Come on. See, where is your faith? Faith is required equipment for this journey. Every day of this journey. And I would argue that our theology of healing would be better if it was a theology of health. Not that we live in perfect health at all times. We live on a fallen planet. It is, As one uh, now deceased alliance leader used to say, it is right that things are wrong in a world gone wrong. It would be wrong for everything be to be right in a world gone wrong. We rolled out the red carpet to sin on this planet. We welcomed its influences into this world, and it's had a very effective work in this world, and cells and gene genetics are part of the destructive work of, of sin in this world. We know that. And the Christians think that we should be uh, uh, immune from all of sin's effects in this world, I just don't think it's good theology. I don't think they've read their Bible seriously enough. That we live on a fallen planet and suffer some of the results of that and should not expect to be immune from that. And if we were able to just order everything around and rebuke everything and live in a life of perfect health and perfect uh, finances and perfect everything, do you know how utterly unbearable Christians would be? There is no testimony without test. What a great line. What a great line. So, where's your faith? Uh, Answer the second question. Who is this? Who is this? Is he good? Oh, I know you know the answer. But have you come to the point where you've really questioned We come with the disciples in John chapter 6, where Jesus has preached a very difficult message, and many disciples have left, not the core 12, but others were disciples, and they left, and Jesus looks at the 12 and says, almost sounds vulnerable to me. You're not going to leave me too, are you? And Peter says, I'm paraphrasing, well, that was a rough sermon, and me and the boys talked it over, but where else are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We don't really like you right now. <laughs> we don't really love what you just said. You're really confusing all of us. But you're it. <laughs> Whether we like it or not, you're it. I remember distinctly where I was in my home the day that I, in that 18 month journey, that I was processing. Suicide? Nah, that's just, that's lame. I know. Abandon the faith altogether? <laughs> For what? You and me, we're stuck. <laughs> I can't find you. I don't see you. I haven't heard from you in ages. But <laughs> you alone have the words of eternal life. See, I would argue that is a greater moment of faith than perhaps when Joanna reached over and desperation, just called out one more time, God, would you help us? Hanging on to God when you cannot see him. Hanging on to God when he is confusing you. That is rich faith, especially if you lean in with the confidence, and I know you're good. I know you're good. I can't find you. If I go to the north, if I go to the south, if I go to the east, if I go to the west, read Job. He says, I can't find him. But he knows the way that I take See, is the point, really, whether we can find him all the time. That sounds rather materialistic, commercialistic Americanism, right? But the point is that who is this? He is the one who pursues us. He is the one who is ever-present with us. He is the one who is good. He is the one who is loving. He is the one who is rich in knowledge. He is the one who is rich in wisdom. He is the one who is rich in kindness. He is the one who is rich in patience. And that rich God is the one who is ours, So where's your faith my faith is if I have enough of it I can get God to do anything at any moment for me Mm. I don't like that how about my faith is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness i out of my faith as a shield that I can choose to have drooping at my side, worthless, or I can lift it up and announce again today, I trust you. Haven't heard from you in a while. Sure would like to. <laughs> sure would have like a better doctor's diagnosis. Sure would like something, but I trust you. I trust you. two more stories and I'll be done. I have a sister who's about 75 years of age. I'm the youngest of six kids. I have four older sisters. They're more like aunts to me because um, I, I was so much after them that they were mostly out of school by the time that I knew what was going on in the family. But one of my sisters is a widow, and 75 years of age, living in northern Minnesota, which is uh, in a very remote location. Now, I realize that was just redundant. But northern Minnesota remote, that's redundant. But now, if you're from Alaska, you guys, you, you know, Edna Bay, I've been to Edna Bay, that's another level of remoteness. But my sister has to drive, you know, a 45-minute uh, trip to see if their little market has a, gallon of milk, has a half gallon of milk or not. And they may or may not have milk. So she's out there in the woods in a cabin. And, uh, uh, <clears throat> keeping a little Alliance Church going and doing eBay. Supporting yourself with eBay. And, uh, it's a lot to that story that I would love to tell you. But, but in eBay if you're going to be successful, you not only need a product to sell and a good price to sell it, you need Boxes. Boxes are a key to eBay because it doesn't matter how good a price you get for what you're trying to sell. If you can't ship it, you're not going to have an eBay business. And she's remote. She can't go to a store and just pick up a supply of extra boxes. And she's not going to make any money if she's buying boxes all the time. And so she she trusts God (laughs) for boxes. Recently, she, uh, did an Amazon order. Amazon delivers out there amazingly, and she had a $50 Amazon order so she can get free shipping, because she's not gonna get Prime, but she can get free shipping if she spends more than $50, and part of her shipment, uh, part of her order was a $1.95 bottle of fingernail polish remover. And uh, in Amazon's fascinating distribution system, uh, the order got split. Uh, the $50 order got split. And so they drove who knows how many miles through the Northwoods on country roads to her cabin in northern Minnesota to deliver a $1.95 box of fingernail polish remover. And then that rest of the order came a couple days later. She just kind of laughed that night at Amazon's, you know, how do you make money doing that? Well, they do, but <laughs> somehow, The next, that night, she got an order for an item that that box was exactly the box that she needed. And she has story after story like that. And she's come to call it the customized love of God. Isn't that sweet? The God who sends... Amazon drivers on long drives with a little box. This is not much bigger than your thumb to give to a sister who wants, who is going to once again experience the customized love of God. Who is this? Who is this? That rebukes the wind and the waves. Mm. He's the God who knows that my widow's sister needs a little box for tomorrow. He's the one who knows what's going on in your cells. He's the one that knows what's going on in your back. He's the one that knows what's going on in your kidney. You know, he's the one who knows. Who is this? Last story, and again, it might seem unrelated. I know this doesn't feel like a real healing message, but... So, Joanne and I were in seminary, and it's a long story about how we ended up in Columbia, South Carolina, but uh, the point that's relevant to this moment is we had eight weeks to church hop. What do you mean? Well, my wife's at Alliance PK. I'm an Alliance PK. We went right into Alliance ministry uh, during college, and so we went to seminary. And the seminary said, "You've got eight weeks to decide what church you're going to go to, and then you got to make it your church home." And for me, I read it the opposite way. I got eight weeks to go to all sorts of different churches. Cool. I got in the phone book, and we went to two, three services a day. I was going through the list and finding out. I was just curious. What are all these other groups doing? I went to the Quaker church and sat in a quiet circle for 15 minutes, waiting for somebody to get a word, and then, you know, and we we uh, went to the uh, one church where we found out that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are like a ladder. And uh, you, we uh, all start at the bottom rung, which is speaking in tongues, and then we work our way up from there. I was learning all sorts of things, <laughs> and uh, it was fascinating, and, well, uh, different groups were expressing their faith. Got to one church, and uh, none of you were this way, but this pastor thought that his job was to always talk, not to ever listen. And so when we, he asked us our names and met us at the door, he thought... I can slur my words, so I'll, I'll give him the grace of this. But he thought our names were symbol, like loud crashing symbols. And he never stopped long enough for me to correct him. I dropped him. And he introduced us in the Sunday school classes. Brother and Mrs. Cymbal are with us from the seminary today. And so throughout the rest of the morning, we were the symbols and we just rolled with it. Uh, so, you know, I always wanted to be in the percussion team, but maybe someday. And, and uh, we got to the church service. And he stood in front, of a small congregation, thirty, forty people, and he said, Brother and Mrs. Simbler are with us from the seminary today, they're gonna to be our new youth directors here at the church. Wow, okay, hadn't talked about that yet, but guess I already had a job and so so um, it was Revival Sunday. I didn't know you could schedule those things, but it was Revival Sunday. And uh, we, so we had a guest evangelist in for the day. And so you know what happens at the end of a revival service. You call for an altar call. And, Do you want revival in your life was the question of the day. And so uh, Joanne and I are sitting in the back. And she, my wife has this uh, uh, dislike for too much attention. She would rather stay under the radar. And so she gave me this nudge for like the, let's get out of here now while we still can nudge. And I'm like, no way. I'm seeing where this is going. I, I, I gotta have the whole church experience here. So we're having a little revival action. I want to know what that's like. This might come in handy someday. So, so we're, we're, and so every, everybody in the church except three people I counted. Everybody in the church, had three people, and two of them were ladies who sat right over there who looked like they had built the church around them. That they were sitting there before the church was built, and they said, well, they're gonna sit there anyway, let's just build the church right there. So, so the pastor knew they were unmovable, they were just, you know, rocks of Gibraltarists or whatever. So, so, uh, we, but he looks back at us, and he says, Brother Mrs. Symbol, don't you want revival in your life? Joanna's, get us out of here, get us out of here. It's like, no, we, we want revival. So so we, we, we came to the front, I pulled her to the front. And uh, then he says, "No, Brother Symbol, you pray that we'll have revival in this church. So I prayed for revival in the church. And then he said, now somebody invite Brother and Mrs. Symbol over to their house for hot dogs and hamburgers. Actually he said weenies and hamburgers, but that sounds really weird today. So <laughs> at which point, at which point, true story, my wife grabs me by the hand and leads me out of that center aisle faster than our wedding day, and we were gone. Never to return again. And I feel badly for that pastor because he probably called the seminary ten days ten days later and said, Oh, where's brother and Mrs. symbol They're my new youth leader. And the college registrar is going through the register. We don't have, we don't have anybody by that name here, sir. <laughs> Why do I tell the story? Because that question has rung through my head a hundred times since then. Brother, don't you want revival in your life? And I've come to have a very odd answer. No. I don't want to need to be revived. I want to be vived. Second Peter chapter one, he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. I don't see the Christian journey as this up and down, get a big rush, fall off a cliff, come back in a desperate state all over again. We don't want to teach our discipleship that way. And for our health, I would challenge us, every one of us, to come to Jesus every day for everything we need for today whatever the medical diagnosis is, or you don't have one because you're doing fine. If he would choose to have a miraculous big moment where that cancer is gone, where that healing, where that swallow is healed, where you go from nada down the throat to cheesecake, (laughs) he can do that. He can do that. But who is this? Was he any less with me? Us. Was he any, any less with us in those 18 months than he was in that car that day? No. He was in the boat. He was on the journey. He had never left our side. Were we always like chatting back and forth? No. No. Was he present? Yes. Dennis and the worship team are coming back up to transition us into a time of healing prayer. And yes, use the anointing oil if God prompts you to do so. And yes, ask him for healing, but ask for more than that. Ask to learn to walk in his presence and tap into his strength day after day. And if he gives a major life change healing in a moment, we will rejoice. And if you learn a little bit more of who it is that is with you, we will rejoice. For where is your faith? Is it only based on the big miracle? Or is it placed in Christ? I